The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined in studio by someone that uh, it's kind of funny. He took over as president of the IFA after my term as Minister for Agriculture uh, elapsed. That was after uh, 97. And then he was involved in all sorts of beef and sheep and other protests. A disgraceful carry on, wouldn't you know? And then he went into politics when his term tenure as president of the IFA was over. He was a one time TD, but then got a job as minister with Mary Harney and so on, as minister for the OPW, construction and so on. And then he was headhunted and for the last 16 years or so has been the boss of one of our largest sectors of the economy. Construction industry, I'm very familiar with it, about 34, 33 billion, 170,000 employed, uh, world leaders, your CISCs and your BAMs and all top class walls and top class companies, about 1,500 members. So keeping them happy uh, and and quite a lot of negativity about developers and so on. And he took over the leadership of the CIF in 2008, which of course was the start of the crash when property literally imploded. Uh, Tom, uh, first of all, uh, as you face into your retirement, uh, uh, you're finishing up at the end of this month, uh, this week, in fact, with the CIF. Um, I, I, do, what's your uh, emotion? Are you kind of saying, oh, there's a sigh of relief or will you miss it all? Well, I don't expect to be idle, Ivan. I have a farm down in County Offaly that I currently spend my weekends at and and love doing that. But, um, you know, I expect to be involved. Like, I've picked up a lot of experience over and I'm an early riser and I like to be busy. And, you know, I think I've I've noticed, I've had a, uh, a few good friends of mine have, have, have died suddenly recently. It wasn't because they were idle either, but I think I'm blessed with good health and with lots of energy. And I think being busy is certainly good for your mental health and, and, and certainly good for your for your positive health as well. OK, let's let's take a, a dive into agriculture and farmer politics. Um, and as a, a political leader, I saw a statistic there recently that in the last 40 years, total number of EU farmers has gone from 16 million and it's heading towards 6 million, which tells me the one thing politicians can do is count, count votes. The decline in influence, like I, I could have never seen a day that a, a Fine Gael, a Fianna Fáil and, and all the major parties in the climate vote in, you know, despite all the lobbying, by the farming organisations in 2021, 121 votes to 10 in favour of all these sustainability, climate change things, which was basically putting the two fingers up to the farming community, a loss of influence. Mm. Have you observed that? Yeah, I think obviously uh, productivity and efficiency in farming has meant that less farmers are doing more work. I heard a little bit of your previous speaker there talking about, you know, uh, about using modern technology and, uh, you know, increased use of, 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 of machinery and so on. So a lot of that is doing like I have a local contractor, uh, uh, John Grant, who, you know, does practically everything I need on the farm. I can ring him up and ask him to spread the fertilizer, tell him what fields I want to do. He has a GPS system. He does it so accurate that, you know, to the last grain and it's done in the next 24 hours. So there's hours. greater productivity so and efficiency. Pro- yeah. yeah. And and a lot of people... But no, but the point I'm... There was a time, and even certainly before I was minister and up to that time, the kind of minister of agriculture that was kind of half afraid of the farmers. Yeah. They could get 100,000 people on the streets. 
that day is so now if, if there was a protest today in Dáil Éireann the, the, the story would be not what the farmers were looking for but the traffic disruption to Dubliners yeah. like what's your observation yeah, no, about can, and how see, they've responded to that decline yeah, in influence I can see that like in my time when we had high, prof, high profile demonstrations like when we had the beef blockade every factory in the country was blockaded and it grew and grew and you'd wonder who was taking care of the animals on the farms at the time now it was in the winter and so on but it would be almost impossible now because the farmers that are employed are busy uh, if you're a dairy farmer you can't afford to be leaving during the day and the other farmers I think I think with the general labour shortage now there's very few farmers that are unemployed they're either doing their farm work and doing something else on the side so that is a political factor um, you know the difference between IFA and the CIF we have about 15 1600 members in the CIF but they're all the employers Whereas IFA would claim, I suppose, 70,000, yeah. 70 to 80,000. And do you think there needs to be more farmer unity uh, in terms of, we have quite a few, you know, splintering, like there was a time when you were, like the IFA were really the top dog. You know, we've had a proliferation. Do you think that's been to the detriment of farmers? Definitely. You know, it doesn't help. And we're lucky so far in the CIF. The CIF is the sole voice of the industry. And we're a federation, so we cover house builders, who are quite different from main contractors, who are quite different from civil civil engineering contractors. And the big, big group, I suppose, within the CAF at the moment are the mechanical electrical contractors, the guys that are, you know, fitting out the data centres and the pharma plants and so on and building plants all over Europe. So we've been successful in keeping those together. And I think that's helpful in terms of voice, single voice going to government. I think when you start diluting the voice, and it's very easy, and we have lots of issues within CIF where one particular group is pulling against another, but when we come out to speak, we generally come out with a single voice, and I think that's to the detriment of lobbying on behalf of farmers that there has been such and a... What of the future, before we move our, our farm, future farm, would you encourage your kids to go into farming? Like... You and I both got a bit bored with farming in terms of we could make more money doing other things. Mm. What, what would you advise youngsters? Would you think there's a great career in agriculture? Well, I do. And I was down. I'm, I'm the chairman of the Mount Bellew Agricultural College Board. And that's a very dynamic college down in County Galway. I was there on Friday night for the presentation of the certs for, for Green Cert students. I think about 170 people got their certificates. And Green Cert, you know, it qualifies you to be a farmer and it, it qualifies you, obviously, for some uh, tax uh, breaks in terms of inheriting farms. But the course certainly is very dynamic. It's pretty onerous as well. And I was amazed and, and, and very pleasantly surprised at the enthusiasm of people coming there and their parents, you know, about handing over land. And I certainly think while farming has got a bit of a bad press about climate change and so on and the negative impact it has and I see from looking at what I might do on my own farm and what's happening around me I believe that farming has a massive uh, positive uh, uh, input into climate change because you know I see more farmers now are reseeding putting in uh, uh, clovers putting in more efficient grasses and so on and likewise the the, the very efficient use of fertilizer the very efficient use of slurry and so on I think it has a lot to game and you know food security now all of a sudden on a global level is a concern again Whereas back in my time, we were concerned about beef mountains and wine lakes and Surpluses. all of that. Food security is a, a genuine concern now. So, uh, you, you didn't have a political background insofar as that you, your daddy wasn't a TD or your mother wasn't a senator. Um, what was your take on politics? Like, you, you kind of said it was worse than the dirtiest hurling match that Offaly be involved in. You got belts right, left and centre. Um, you're fairly good at handing it out now yourself. Now you're a bit of a survivor. Well, what's your take? Would you encourage someone to go into politics? 
Well, it was different even, Ivan, when I went in, it was sort of before uh, the high level of social media and I suppose the intrusion. And that's probably one of the things I dislike most about politics is about the intrusion into your private life and not having a weekend off. Like there was events to be attended, uh, at funerals, of course. Const- constituency work. It was 24-7, yeah. If you didn't, and you knew yourself, mm. if you didn't turn up at places, it was to your disadvantage in terms of votes the next time. Uh, but, you know, opportunity is something that you have to grasp. If you get an opportunity, and I was thinking about it yesterday, I saw a few uh, looking at all the matches, and when you get a penalty, it's an opportunity to score a goal. But it's an opportunity to send it wide or it's an opportunity to save it as well. And even coming on a a media programme any day, it's an opportunity to get out and make a positive point or so. Or it's an opportunity to get buried by... But but in your day job now, you deal with ministers. There's a lot of cynicism about politics. They're paying perks and and nobody has a good word to say. And I would have noticed over my lifetime, there was a time that it was almost a patrician thing to be involved in politics. It was a noble thing. Now it's kind of something you'd wipe off your shoe. I mean, what's your take on politics and the way we treat our politicians or not? Yeah, no, and... What I would think to anyone, and you hear people putting down and being very insulting, uh, lots of commentators can be quite demeaning to politicians. I would say, you know, go out and put up your posters and go knocking on doors and see the challenge that it is to get six or seven thousand votes or whatever it takes to get elected. And everyone that's in the doll has done that, has got elected and deserves to be there. And they so are you think coming. there's a disrespect? I think absolutely, very much so. And it's not just a national thing, I think. And obviously some in of the our, UK, it's the same or some, US. Some of our UK guys don't appear to have done much to uh, to bolster their own uh, 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 good name. Uh, but it is, and it's a shame, you know, that people would choose not to go into politics because we need people that are commercially minded. And I find that certainly when the people I deal with, you know, to have some life experience. Absolutely. And to understand about business. Now, of course, there's other issues as well. But coming from where I'm coming, it's important to understand about business and that construction industries have to make a profit. That's like they won't be in business any longer and we won't have an industry any longer. So, you know, I find that that's extremely important uh, that they have good background in accountancy and so on if they're in the finance side and, and otherwise. But being somebody that has a background or a family background in business certainly is a positive. Um, what, what's your take on political parties? When you and I were grown up, you know, there was a two and a half party system, Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and the Labour Party. That has utterly changed now, you know, in rural lands, a lot of rural independence. Sinn Féin are certainly on the march, over 30 percent and so on. Uh, do you think, like in a lot of, that the old civil war politics uh, is finished or what, what? what's your sense of where that's going to end up? Well, look, at it. I suppose what happened in Ireland has happened globally as well. I think we've seen that fragmentation all across Europe. Um, and I suppose our two main parties were, you know, there because of the civil war. Very little. Similar sort of, ideology. Yeah, s- same ideology. Labour Party, you know, it's a Labour Party in every in every uh, con- country. Um, the PDs, I suppose, you know, did find a niche. They got sort of blown away. Uh, lots of people. It's very hard for a new party to sustain itself, isn't it? Absolutely. And we've seen, you know, very few of them. Sinn Féin now seem to be, you know, uh, in the ascendancy. Uh, weekend polls showed that they're after taking a bit of a hit. So look, at there's a, it's easy for an opposition party, as you know, you can be very uh, uh, political. You can't can be, be blamed very, for anything. Yeah. yeah. And you can you can take a very populist view and you can be very critical. But is your thing. sense of it that we are on the cusp of a very significant historical change? in our Yeah, well, I think like like has happened in Europe as well. You could have multi-party governments 
Uh, we know, I think Belgium found it almost impossible to form a government for a long period. Uh, so that's likely. Then we saw some changes in Holland lately where an opposition group to uh, sort of uh, anti-farmer, anti uh, and being overly uh, uh, protective. Had a backlash the of there a was farmer. A backlash and a lot of yeah. people got elected and so on. So, you know, we are in very strange times. Okay. But uh, I would hope that we'll continue to attract good people into politics. No, uh, the construction industry has had its ups and downs. You had to deal with the crash. You've had to deal with the demonisation of developers. Uh, and, and there was a lot of people had a lot of pain uh, in terms of losing their homes and, and so on. Um, what's the current state of the construction industry? Well, I'd say pretty healthy. Um, the value is up against about 32 to 34 billion. It's not far off of where it was at the peak uh, before we had the crash. I suppose you could say that's a slight worry. But um, inward investment is very strong here. And I think the presence of the big techie, the global tech firms, the likes of the Amazons, the Intels, the uh, Metas and so on, the standards that they've raised for Irish contractors in building out their projects here and then our Irish contractors following them around Europe, that's certainly lifted uh, the, the technology take up amongst our contractors. It's very good. Um, the housing scarcity, you know, uh, everyone says we need between 30 and 50,000 houses each year for the next 10 years. That's going to take a lot of people and a lot of industry people to to deliver that. And clearly, then my own view is that, that, you know, we have a housing crisis, but we have a planning emergency, huge shortages of staff at local authority and board level, uh, judicial reviews. You know, it, it just I was telling Pascal, you know, Irish water, you know, they go through plan- and then they've got to go through a two year consent process mm-hmm. afterwards. I mean, like. I, I, I kind of think that the body politic doesn't get it, that like our planning system is choking, that there's an objector culture that is not being confronted. Is all that wrong? Or no, I think you're, you're spot on. I mean, I think I saw someone saying over the weekend that, you know, if you set out to build houses on a green field, it's a monumental project that you take on because from the very first day, it's as if everybody's against it. Now, I expect that when a, a foreign direct investor comes in here, gets a good welcome from the IDA and he introduces them to the different ones and there's an open welcome. But, you know, the day you go building houses, you appear to be up against it all along. And as you say, planning is mad. Like, you know. Like it, there is no shortage of money. The government is throwing Like, in fact, they underspend about a billion a year on housing allocations. Yeah. So money isn't the problem. Yeah. Uh, planning or, or maybe staff shortages. Planning, uh, lack of zoned land. When land is zoned for housing, that should nearly give it a, the, the green light that housing should go along there. But then obviously local residents object. And as you mentioned earlier, this judicial review is crazy now. Anybody with an axe to grind can seek a judicial review. Judiciary seem to be experts in planning now as well and holding it up. Uh, finally, but, but finally, any regrets? No, not really. Like, I think the opportunities that I got in my life, and I was very lucky to be reared by parents that gave me a great work ethic, worked very hard. I was a farmer for 50 years. There's nothing you did that you say, geez, if I had it again, I wouldn't do that. Well, look, I'm not going to... I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. (laughs) You're not going to admit it either. Okay, okay. Uh, What would you advise your 18-year-old self from, you know, you you, you know, you've been around the block. What would you advise your 18-year-old self? Well, I was just saying to the students, I had to say a few closing remarks down in, in Mount Bellew, that... I finished my educate my formal education in Gertine College, where I think you yeah, were yourself. Yeah, we both went there. I yeah. did my year there, my 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 ag uh, uh, year, and I went into the world of agricultural contracting and farming. I've picked up my life skills, so I think the way we're going forward. Constant now, upskilling and learning would that be advice? Absolutely, I think like CIF's big role for people is is training and upskilling 
and you need that every day now. Solus is obviously uh, a commercial player and so on. But like things are changing. Stuff that was in vogue six, uh, two years ago or four years ago isn't anymore. So I think constant lifelong learning and upskilling, I think, is going to be the way we go forward. All right. There's a bit of a hoolie for Tom on Thursday night. I hope to go to it in around about construction house. I want to thank you for your service. I think you've given exceptional service uh, to the private sector and you've been a voice of one thing that's really lacking common sense. You've always had lots of it. Tom Parlin, we wish you well as you face into your transition uh, to change. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.